Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, welcome to the Ministry of Arts, episode 209. Firstly, as ever, a big shout out to our Patreon supporters, without whom you would not be able to listen to this podcast. And there will be a short message at the end telling you how to become a Patreon supporter, if that's a thing you might like to do. But if not, that's absolutely fine. This content is free for everyone. Today, I'm taking you to meet Charlotte Rose, and Charlotte is an artist that I think is the first for the podcast, because although we've had several artists appear on the podcast who have just stepped on the ladder of the art world, Charlotte is a little bit different, because during lockdown, like many people, they was given that valuable thing called time, and that gave them the possibility to try that something they'd always wanted to do, whether it be learn the guitar, the piano... God knows how many people made banana bread, but Charlotte, well, she'd always wanted to create art. Now, Charlotte's a model, so she's always worked around creatives, be it designers, clothes designers, makeup artists, set designers, photographers, obviously. But yeah, lockdown gave her the ability to try her hand at visual art. And within a very short time, her shared flat became a studio, and her original artworks were selling for several thousand. Man, talk about hit the floor running. So yeah, a fascinating story and I'm really interested in seeing where it goes next. That said, please come and join me as I spoke to Charlotte Rose. And how are you today other than a little bit chilly? A little bit cold, but um, yeah, I'm all good. It's, it's quite nice to see the snow. Even though my kids are now 15 and 18... Um, last night they still had a uh, snowball fight in the garden, which was <laughs> lovely to see. I've got a lot of families that live uh, around where I live, and all of the kids were out. It was really cute. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? Was you tempted to go and join them? 
a little bit. I'll go out probably later today. Um, hopefully it'll be untouched, but we'll see. <laughs> there you go. Well, I do have seven questions, Charlotte, that I ask okay. each artist. Cool. And the first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Well, um, I think I'd describe it as like definitely inspired by the pop art era. Um, I love like bold, bright colours um, and I'm inspired by the 1960s, 1970s branding. A lot of my work focuses around cigarette boxes, which I find really interesting because uh, the branding had to be so strong because you're essentially selling something that was so bad for you. Yeah. Um, so cigarette well, no, at that time, they didn't realise it was bad for you, did they? It was, uh, it was yeah. supposedly cool, weren't it? I think, yeah, well, th that's the thing. Like, they did make it into a thing that was cool and glamorous and almost sexy, you know? Right. Um, and also the branding had so much scope. Like, you had so much... Um, you could do a lot with it because you're selling, effectively, like, a, a person, I guess. So, like, with uh, Marlboro, it was, like, the cowboy. And then with L&M, I feel like it was a lot of supermodels and, and you know, women. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was quite an interesting thing to explore. Um, and so my first exhibition I did was I Quit Last Week, which was all about cigarette boxes. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a very small area to put a lot of branding onto to capture the consumer's eye yeah yeah i think it's just um it was all about like graphics color um and a narrative which is quite interesting but i always thought that there's like an interesting parallel between um what art is and what branding is because like both elicit a like visceral response from the audience yeah, yeah. so like you're either it's like you're triggering nostalgia or emotion or whatever it is but you have to relate to the consumer or the audience both with art and branding so I thought that was quite an interesting like they do kind of fit quite perfectly together yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> speaking to another artist a couple of months ago Trish Wiley and okay. she uses um, the cowboy in her artwork often, and she uses Mulber as well. And she was saying that initially it was a, a female cow, a female cowboy, oh, God, mate, <laughs> a cowgirl. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know that. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, she, she's looked into the, you know, the history of the branding. And mm. um, it was to try and um, entice the women into, into uh. that, that stick from the devil. <laughs> Hello, I'm just interrupting my conversation with Charlotte here for a little fact check. Although I was sort of on the right path of what I just said about the Marlborough tip cigarettes, I have since spoke to Trish Wiley and I did get it a bit upside down. The story actually was Marlborough cigarettes were one of the first to put a tip on their cigarettes. And as a result, Marlborough cigarettes became more popular with female smokers. To try and make them more appealing to the male audience, Marlborough introduced the cowboy into their branding. Everyone loves a cowboy, right? But anyway, back to the conversation. It's so interesting, honestly. I think there's like so much history behind it. So much. Um, I'm quite interested in the fact that, it, like, yeah, they just kind of try and sell this like poisonous thing um, by making it so like I like idealized, yeah. like cool and sexy so I don't know I just thought it was quite an interesting thing but at the moment I'm working on um designing my own cigarette boxes so like I'm taking like 
nostalgic ideas so I might do um I did like a Capulet cigarette box which was like based around obviously like Shakespeare um but then I'm also doing like 1960s style ones and like I'm just kind of exploring it I'm even doing like a Russian one and like you know like everything I'm just trying to uh explore um graphics from different places and try to implement them into um my own cigarette box designs well the the cigarette box and smoker, I think, is a, a, I was going to say a dying breed, but that's quite literal, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I mean, the cigarette boxes now have very little, if any, branding on them, apart from pictures of um, of 60-year-old smokers' lungs and teeth and whatnot, yeah. don't they? Also, an interesting thing, so the colour that they used on the boxes, it's like that kind of brownish horrible color yeah, it, yeah. um it, it was it's the worst color to the human eye so like they wow. really designed that yeah it's Again, like a, a dark brown it. mustardy color isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> so they've like they put some thought into how horrible they can make it but um yeah i think it's like it, part of the interest i think is is the fact that it's no longer a thing. The cigarette boxes are no longer in circulation in the UK anyway. I think in America they still do have um, all the branding, but... Oh, it wouldn't yeah. surprise me at all, yeah. <laughs> um, artists reflect on the smoker and mm. cigarettes now, but almost like you're saying, there's a nostalgic thing rather than a, a present date. It's far from cool nowadays, that's for sure. I think uh, a lot of people um, relate to the artwork as well because they have this nostalgic... Uh, memory tied to a certain brand like maybe their dad smoked this brand or whatever so I think there's a lot of um yeah nostalgia and history with it as well but yeah it's not really the done thing anymore is it <laughs> well I like the way you ex you explained it when you said it's dreams sold by companies to sell poisonous goods yeah I thought that was a yeah that was a a, a good little line did you have art in the home growing up Charlotte yeah so my mum was an artist but but like kind of so she I grew up with her painting murals on my childhood rooms and walls and stuff and um and she did quite large scale botanical um like flowers and fields and stuff yeah. uh, so I always grew up with her painting and kind of in the background of my life um she never really sold she just kind of sold very locally she wasn't really in galleries or anything like that but I think it was more of a confidence issue than anything um but my grandparents were also artists they met in um art school when they were teenagers so oh, cool. yeah like probably oh, it's in, in my the blood then yeah <laughs> and where, where was home growing up um I grew up in Bedfordshire so I was kind of in the middle of nowhere in the countryside um a very yeah like almost farmland it was very um different to London but I moved to London when I was 18 to go to university and what did you was it art you studied there or something else so I didn't know I wanted to be an artist until I left university nice. <laughs> um, so I studied English literature and creative writing because my whole childhood I wanted to be um a writer a novelist but um I wasn't very good at it if I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah theory and practice do collide sometimes don't yeah they? but do you know what I, I really enjoyed like creating worlds and creating um I, I love creating things so I think that's what I enjoyed about it but if I'm honest like I've never been tested for it but I think I might be a bit dyslexic yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm awful at spelling I'm not very good at punctuation or anything like that I just loved the creation of 
something so when I graduated I did okay I did I got like a 2-1 but yeah I just kind of sat twiddling my thumbs for a bit I was modeling at the time so I was like I'll just do this for a bit not very fulfilling if I'm honest but um and then the lockdown happened and for me I mean it was awful but at the same time it gave me this like forced kind of reflection where I was like okay well what, what do you actually enjoy if you don't like writing, what is the thing that you want to do? And so um, I was living, with, I still am living with my boyfriend and he's an artist, he's a photographer, um, but he just had so much paint and spray paint yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it was just accessible to me. So I just started painting because it was like fun for me and I just didn't stop. <laughs> nice. So I think you are the first artist product of lockdown that I've met. Oh, wow. Because so many people wanted to explore their creativity when they was forced at home with with not necessarily nothing to do, but they had this time on their hands mm. that they could now give to always wanting to learn the violin or painting or poetry or what, whatever creative outlet it was that a lot of people had always wanted to do. And I think you're the first that I've met, definitely the first I've I've interviewed on here that is a, a product of that, if, if you don't mind me calling you a product. So did you have a set idea of what you wanted to do or was you just creating? Um, so I was just creating at, at the start. I was just painting random stuff. I did um, a painting called, I call it cave painting because it was literally like, um, I just threw loads of colors and I was like painting little things. I did like, uh, hello, my name is stickers and like all of this like random stuff that I just thought was cool. And then I was watching um, True Detective. I don't know if you've ever seen this. <laughs> I haven't, I don't think. Yeah, so it's like this detective is um, smoking, chain smoking cigarettes, kind of retelling a story. And he's got a pack of camels on the table. And I was like, well, that's really cool. Like, he looks cool. And so I thought, OK, I'm just going to paint a massive study of camel cigarettes. So I got um, unstretched canvas. I bought it by the meter. I nailed it up into my living room walls and I just painted massive camel cigarettes. And I changed wow. the camel to the American flag and um, put on Instagram and everyone was like, this is amazing, <laughs> you should do more of this. So I was like, okay, and it just kind of spiraled and I just didn't stop painting cigarette boxes. <laughs> wow, so, yeah. so pretty much the first project, if you like, you gave yourself is the one that you ran with and had your um, first exhibition with. I w so I wouldn't say the first project because I did do a lot of other things, I did some body, printing like Eve Klein kind of style yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I did um I, I've done a lot of stuff that hasn't seen the light of day as well so um, <laughs> and will it ever <laughs> no <laughs> but it was it was it was one of the first like it didn't take me long but I think I had a lot of like uh, ideas of what I liked so I knew that I liked Andy Warhol for example yeah. I, I'm a of Harlan Miller as well um so like the concept of taking like a everyday item and 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 like scaling it up and then kind of bringing the satirical light-hearted slogan kind of energy to it as well yeah. so I think like I was massively inspired by Harlan Miller I think um but yeah it was just yeah I don't know I was pretty um fortunate I guess because I, I it, it took me about three months to kind of experiment before I decided okay this is what I'm going to do and then run with it but yeah because <laughs> the the effects that you give your cigarette boxes is a distressed 
um, mm -hmm. look, isn't it? Yeah. Um, was was that part of the um, trial and error, or you know, or was that meant to be um, to do with the like fragmented memory, if you like? Oh, a bit of both. I think I just really liked the idea of like trying to recreate this old, pocketed and scrumpled yeah, up yeah. kind of cigarette box. But I, I just love like building textures. That's like part of the process that I enjoy is like kind of making, layering the, uh, I use acrylic. So like layering the acrylic and making like darker colors and then over palette knife, over lighter colors. So it has this kind of like yeah, yeah. texture. And I love like, I, I describe my art as quite messy as well. It's not neat, it's not perfect, but I quite, I love that about it. I think it's got this like, kind of character to it that um it, it's just not neat <laughs> and which one that you've created do you think has got the strongest emotional connection oh um see i have listened to a few of your podcasts so i knew this was coming <laughs> um i think i like the first painting that i sold because it was so it was a marlboro box that i spray painted oh no thanks i quit last week over and that was In like pink in pink yeah. yeah and that was the first one that um inspired me to do my exhibition because it was the first time I realized oh I can sell my work um <laughs> that people will pay me so I, I I met this lady so she found me on Instagram and she lived quite at the time I was living in Watford she lived quite locally and she was like let's it was during lockdown as well so she was like let's meet in a park bring out your canvases and I'll choose one and I was like okay so I literally in this park rolled out all my canvases <laughs> like some russian spy yeah <laughs> <I watches. laughs> um, and she came and she paid me in cash and it was the most money i'd ever earn in one go in my life and i i was like you know playing it cool i was like oh thank you yes uh very good and you know w walked off with my canvases under my arm playing mm. it playing it cool went around the corner i was like oh my god <laughs> um so yeah I think that that had a a big impact on me because it made me realize that it was something that I could kind of do as a living I guess yeah yeah, yeah. and from from that afternoon where did you decide to go with your with your art did you decide then to be a an artist as in it being a viable income mm. Yeah, so uh, from that moment on, I was like, well, I want to work towards something with, with my art. And so I started like, you know, it, I, I treated it like a nine to five. So eight in the morning, I'd wake up, I'd start painting, and then I created a body of work. And by the time lockdown had lifted, um, I'd sold a few of the pieces. And with you, that, was li you was living in the bathroom with your boyfriend because every room was full up with artwork. Literally. <laughs> lived in a really tiny flat and we had um the whole living room was a art studio wow. <laughs> it was ridiculous um but yeah with the money that I kind of sold pre-sold some work with yeah. I sold my first solo exhibition so I was quite proud of that because I, I was 22 at the time um and had no experience with with organizing anything in my life um and just kind of went for it so yeah <laughs> and whereabouts was that? Where was your first um, exhibition? It was in Fitzrovia at NoHo Studios. Oh yeah, well, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's not, a, not a bad place to have your first one, is it? Not, not a bad place. Yeah, I thought in my head I was like, well, I want to do it in a fancy area 
like yeah. made something because that's where people who are famous do it <laughs> so I was like I want to you know go big um and then my second exhibition um I did the same at at NoHo Studios um which is a, it's a great venue so I thought why not I'll just do it again <laughs> so you uh yeah you started your your career off with a with a big stamp in the ground yeah I, I guess I did <laughs> but it's, it's quite interesting and is your third lined up um not at the moment so um during that first exhibition, um, Enter Gallery, who um, sell all, my, all of my prints, they came down and had a look and, um, and they liked what they saw. So the second exhibition that I did, they kind of helped me fund it and kind of helped me organize it. Um, and so I'm about to kind of go over and pitch a new idea to them for a, a third exhibition, but it won't be until probably next year, like in, in, in a year's time. And do you know what the subject matter of that is going to be? Well, I'm doing my own cigarette boxes. I, I'd love to, like, um, obviously do the large-scale paintings. I always paint on really large canvases um, and wood and kind of anything that I can find. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I would love to um, kind of build my own actual models of, like, the boxes and then also um, maybe do, like, a 1960s-style commercial with like the boxes because I've got so many model friends and I'm like well they'd be amazing in like the 1960s attire yeah, and, have, yeah, yeah. and just kind of like you know direct something and have that as like a film that's like constantly pay playing on a loop in the exhibition space but it, it's kind of like creating this false world of branding and then kind of trying my best to make it feel real that's the idea anyway yeah, <laughs> yeah. is it going to be just paintings or is there going to be sculptures alongside there as well um so I did a sculpture for my last exhibition which was um a collaboration between me and my friend Mr Muller um who's a set designer and an artist himself nice. um it, I actually have it in my living room now um but <laughs> we built this massive uh Marlboro box that's like got an open lid and all the cigarettes inside it and I spray painted it as well with oh no thanks I quit last week um and it was just an installation piece for the exhibition. And then I took it home and it fits quite perfectly in my living room. Nice, nice. And have you ever smoked yourself? Yeah, so I did when I was a teenager and I thought it was really cool. By the way, I'm a, I'm a big fan of your work. I was having a look at your work. I think it's really, really cool. I love the um, installation piece that you did, the domestic waste. Oh, the skip. So good. So. Oh, yeah. And I love your story as well. I think like what you're doing with the podcast and like how you found art is just amazing. Oh, thank you, Charlotte. Let's skip. <laughs> I've done a presentation last week on that in a prison. It was the first time I'd spoke about it in a prison. It's talking derogatory about the state and the state that they expect a, a person or two persons to live. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling this to people who are living it. Yeah. And, and it, it was quite a a hard I know this is meant to be about you but this no, is the first time no. I've spoke about this mm. and I felt really on edge that I'm telling them how they're living yeah I was wow. really nervous on telling that to people who are living yeah. within that environment at the moment but it went down it went down really well it gave me the the boost oh. to sort of do it when I do my next one you know but yeah thank you for that anyway no I think it's such an important conversation and I think like they probably I mean, I don't know, like, I can't 
relate in any way but I think they probably really appreciate someone giving them a voice and actually like talking about it and you know and 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 you having lived it as well I think it's so important and interesting and yeah oh, thank you that's what art is all about it's about changing perspectives it's about starting conversations and I think what you're doing is is exactly that so oh, thank yeah you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> what conversations do you think are being had around your work, which Ooh. focuses negatively on cigarettes? I think, yeah, I think with my artwork, it is obviously, you know, it's quite lighthearted. It's poking fun a little bit at like, you know, I quit last week, whatever. But I think it is part of a larger story where the people have been lied to or encouraged to smoke. Yeah. Like I was looking at a lot of um, older advertisement and in the 60s and 70s, it was almost um, treated as a health thing. So it was like doctor recommends and all of this. So there's, there is a really dark history around it. And I think um, I'm just exploring like the art of, of, of the lie, I guess. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's like a, a sort of negative nostalgia, isn't it? You're looking mm. back on something that, as you said, in the in the days gone by, it was a very cool thing. And you just said there about the doctors. I remember there was a public information advert um, saying that I think it was a person got run over. I remember they was laying in the street or on the road, and the narrator recommended that passers-by put a, a coat or a something underneath their head, cover them up, and give them a cigarette. <laughs> Yeah, how's that? You know, you sit there with your bloody legs snapped in half and someone's trying to throw a pencil and edges in your gob. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it was just a different out, outlook on the, on the world, I guess. But it's very, yeah, it's very interesting. But I think I did, I tried to explore a little bit more, um, something a bit different in my second exhibition where I introduced, um, like one of my favourite pieces that I've done is the guzzle piece, which was shell oil. And then I had Daffy Duck dripping with oil, like yeah, you yeah, see yeah. oil sticks with the birds. And then it was just, so like, that's kind of an elevation of, of ideas. But um, again, I'm trying to like, treat a really serious topic with like this level of like humor because it's like as I think it's a very British thing to do it's like talking about dogs, so. like making light heart of it yeah um, but I think yeah I think the work is like it's important to talk about these things but you know it doesn't have to always be doom and gloom um but yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah I think it is a funny old thing this area because you you are making fun of the doom and gloom like you say it's a very British thing 
yeah it's a great way of looking at life I think because yeah shit things happen and like there's problems that we need to address but I think coming at it with a little bit of lightheartedness it kind of opens the conversation and people can kind of communicate better I feel anyway yeah. but there's a very British way of doing things when you kind of break down that wall and and you're able to kind of have a conversation as a human you know yeah it's like, it turns out you're sort of mocking oh, yourself yeah never laughing at always with yeah yeah that's, yeah. that's ideal and <laughs> Charlotte if there was you and five other artists past and present what would your ideal group show be oh I mean one of my all-time favorite artists is Hieronymus Bosch nice just I just love his work. It's just insane. And it's so like, to me, it's so uh, modern. And he existed, what, in the 1500s? It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, just, I love it. And there's so much going on. They used to use, like, I'm a massive history nerd as well. So I love listening to documentaries while I'm painting. And um, and, and people used to um, commission him big pieces of artwork to kind of have conversations over at parties. So instead of having like a performance or something, you'd have like a Hieronymus Bosch piece and then yeah. for hours, we'd just talk about it. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting coming together of people to talk about art, like way back hundreds of years ago. I guess, who else? I'm trying to think. Um, big fan of Francis Bacon. Nice. Again, like my work, but <laughs> I just love his work. Um, a famous smoker as well, I should add. True, yeah. Okay, there we go. There's the, there's the um, common denominator. Um, and then Andy Warhol, because of the pop art movement and the factory. And uh, yeah, I just think I'm massively inspired by his work. Um, Harlan Miller, a modern one. And oh, I don't know how many I'm on now. <laughs> and a fifth. Um, oh, gosh, let me think, let me think. I should get a woman in there. <laughs> um, I've always been a massive fan of Tracy Emin as well. Cool. Just like her artwork is really, I, like personally, I love her artwork, but I also think like her as a person is so inspiring. And yeah, I just think her story is really awesome. Yeah, I really look up to her, so Tracy Good. Emin. She got me back into art um, I, after I hadn't created for years. I love that. Yeah, I, I I read an article about you where they just they they told they told that story. It's just yeah. Would you like to to get to know her? Do you think? Oh, uh, I mean, I've never um, I've never been one to meet my heroes. I've yeah. always been quite like strict with that. I've had um, a few opportunities to meet a few artists, and I've never taken them up. I think it's because I'm just like number one. I'm very scared that it'll be a letdown, but I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that about Tracy in particular, but I think like in general as a rule, um, but also I just, I never like, it sounds really like arrogant, but I never want to be a fan. <laughs> um, and I think if I meet someone as like a, uh, what's the word? Like if I meet someone in passing and it's just like, and we're two humans having a conversation I think that's beautiful but I'll never go out my way to be like oh I really want to meet this person because like at the end of the day we're all very human and we're all very normal and I think when you put someone up on a pedestal it can be quite but would, would that be what you've just done to those five people you've just named yeah 100 percent. yeah but I wouldn't want to meet them maybe <laughs> <laughs> well there's only Harlem Miller and Tracy Emin who's still with us anyway. 
That's true. But Harlan Miller's quite a complex guy also. I've not met him myself. Ah, interesting. As was Francis Bacon, Warhol, and who knows what Bosch. It probably says a lot about you, Charlotte, from the people you've just named. They all tend to be a little bit off-centre mentally. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Like, artists are, though, aren't they? I, me included, I feel. Like, <laughs> I think to be someone that creates something and to feel a lot of emotion and to express so much, you can't be normal. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Being an artist is such a solitary thing. Yeah. It's not a social thing at all. Like, I spend hours alone with my own thoughts, which drives me insane. And I think, like, to want to do that is makes you a bit crazy. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I think when you're creating an artwork, though, you have that passion and that drive. Like, it's your thing and you want to finish it. So it's a very different thing to, like, let's say that the monotony of painting a wall it's like what's the end game here there's nothing yeah. apart from a, a colorful wall like you know so I think yeah creating artwork even if it is like very meticulous um having said that I did do a piece recently where I kind of painted like the um stripes from the American flag over and over again into like a spiral and then it went over a marble nice, pattern. Nice. and that took like it was very monotonous and I kind of went into like this kind of hole where I was like oh god remember that time that you did this <laughs> like it was really bad so I had to put like I, again like history documentaries and I love anything like that so I was like putting them on like trying to drown out my thoughts with the roar of the roses <laughs> yeah well well now that you've got I presume that's a Harlem Miller print on the wall to your no it's a Salem it's a Salem yeah, I say that I mean, I did think it was a Harlem Miller book from, I could just see a little fraction of it. The advertisers used pretty much the same um, approach with a cigarette box and book covers because you've only got a very small surface area to grab the consumer's eye, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. I think the Penguin books that Harlem Miller works with um, are so iconic and they have that kind of nostalgic energy similar to the cigarette boxes because... Uh, they've transcended time. I don't know how long they've been going for, but, you know, you find them in, like, the charity shop down the road. From, like, yeah. So, like, they've been in the background of people's lives forever, just as cigarette boxes have. So they have this kind of, yeah, the nostalgia, the history. It's quite, it's quite yeah, it does have a parallel. And, Charlotte, if you wasn't an artist, if you look back on your long career so far as an artist... <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you like to be? Is there, is there anything else you'd like to be? I know you've, you've been a model, but is there anything you'd like to be other than what you've... I mean, I always liked the idea of, like... I mean, I, I think I'm going to do it as well as, but um, I've, I've been working on a fashion brand where it's inspired by, like, French 1960s icons like Jane Birkin and Bridget Bardot, and I've been painting watercoloured patterns that I've scanned in and I'm going to print onto the fabrics. And then, so I've kind of merging my art with my love for fashion um so I'm gonna that'll be something maybe released this summer if not next summer depends how organized I am but um I've been working on that for a while and I think like that's something that when I was a kid I always you know oh, I want to be a writer I want to be a fashion designer I want to be an artist I'm trying to do all of them <laughs> you know? so all you got to do now is write a book about your your fashion career and your art career and you would um yeah, you'd have achieved all three. But I think, you know, ha having studied it, it, creative writing, I actually hate it now. 
like I, I've always had a really big problem with um teachers and like being told what to do like I'm so bad at it so as soon as I started studying it I just completely lost interest so I think in that way I'm kind of glad that I never studied at university for art because maybe I'd, I'd fall out of love for it or Possibly, I'd be yeah. told can't do this you can't do that and then I would be like well I don't want to do it then yeah. but um, I've got a lot of friends who have been to um like really big art universities so you know I just ask them the questions that I don't know so I'm like how, how do you how do you do this how do you do that what what kind of paint do I need like I um just discovered uh gouache which is like this kind of medium between watercolor and acrylic you kind of get this look without it blending together I had no idea about that but um I was in I get my prints done by dark matter studio um and in that they let me kind of hand finish them in there because they're so big and there was an artist painting he was painting with gouache and I was like oh what's that you know I, I've just asked all the questions and I'm really curious and I think it's, yes education is amazing go to university but at the same time if you're curious enough and you're around the right people and you ask enough questions I think you can get just a, as good education yeah no there's no, no denying that I mean it, it doesn't have to be an edu uh, a, a university education, that's for sure. I'm not sure whether it's a little bit of myth thrown in there, but Francis Bacon, he never went to university. He was supposedly self-taught. Yeah. But I think the, the people that he was uh, speaking to were fellow world-class artists. So, you know, yeah. he's, he's getting a getting a bit of tutorage from, from the top, as it were. Well, I mean, I've been trying to um, do the same. <laughs> like, I mean, my boyfriend, Harris, is like, it's just an amazing photographer. And he just, you know, like having him, I kind of consider him as a bit of a mentor as well. He's um, represented by Maddox Gallery. Yeah, so he's got like, you know, good credentials. He's got a good team around him. Um, I've met um, uh, Rugman. I think you did an interview with him. At called Rugman. Yeah, so I, 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 the guy who helped me with my um my massive cigarette box, he lives in the same warehouse space as Rugman, or like where his studio is. Yeah. So, so I met him, and like you know, I have like a lot of um people around me that are amazing, amazing artists, and I I learn so much from it. Like I'm a bit of a sponge. Uh, just you know, ask everyone everything. And the sort of fade out questions are: Have you anything coming up? Um, so at the moment, um, I've got a few prints selling at Enter Gallery. And like I said, I've been kind of painting these small scale um, cigarette boxes that I've designed. I'm going to talk, have a talk with Enter and see if I could do another solo show probably next year. But apart from that, you know, I'm just, yeah, just trundling along. <laughs> good. That's a good thing to do. And where can anybody find your work, be it a website, social media? So my social media is Shah.LotRoseArt. So Charlotte, but with a dot in between the Shah and the Lot. <laughs> um, and enter we sell all of my prints. Um, all my originals are for sale, like through my social media, just like direct message. Originals are, aren't for sale over at Enter. It's just my prints. But I've, you know what? Social media has been so good for selling artwork that I really do, like. I just don't need the website, but I, I guess no, it's if, if, you if you don't need it, you don't need it. I'm I'm with you on that. Mm. I've, I've I have notes where I haven't had it for about three years now. Yeah, 
I am getting the urge to have another website. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think I moved on to um, TikTok because this is like the new thing. I did that about two years ago. My boyfriend was like, don't do that. <laughs> He's like, don't, that's, that's art suicide. But I was like, <laughs> um, and it actually did really well. I, I wouldn't say that it translates to um, like selling artwork at all because the demographic is a lot younger. But what it does do is if you have an exhibition, it fills the exhibition. Yeah. And and it has all these amazing art students, young people that um, like, you know, teenagers and stuff like that, that are interested in my artwork, come along and, you know, and, and I can have a conversation with them. And it's really like, it's really awesome. It's fun. It's inspiring. And, um, and that's kind of the thing that TikTok did for me is like fill the room. And then I guess Instagram has a, a slightly older demographic and and that those people are the people that buy my artwork but yeah I think di different social medias have different uses for sure um but I think a website is yeah definitely on the cards because <laughs> I think you're right Instagram isn't forever for the most part I sell a lot of my originals myself and yeah. I I think yeah I think it gives a lot of freedom to artists where before <clears throat> they had to kind of just go through the galleries I met a guy called Lincoln Townsend. Have you ever heard of him? The name rings a bell, but... Yeah, on. I met Saatchi Art Fair, so the Star Art Fair. I had a piece in that, and he had a whole entire room <laughs> um, of his artwork. And, you know, I was like, wow. What was it, Charlotte? I'll, I'll probably recognise the artwork if you describe the artwork. Um, so it kind of has Francis Bacon-esque energy to it. Um, it's a little bit dark, a lot of spray paint, a lot of, um, and I think it's spray paint and oils that he works with, and they're quite large scale. Um, I think he might have, I think he used to be a banker, but I'm not 100% sure on that, so don't quote me. But I met him, and he was all about um, self-selling art. So, like, he hadn't got a gallery as well. I think, um, for me anyway, with my experience, Anti-Gallery sold a load of my work because they had collectors they could introduce my work to and these are people that I had no access to before so I think there's definitely pros and cons um but yeah I think if you just want to create the artwork and do nothing else you need a gallery yeah no I because agree it's a lot of work doing everything by yourself and even running a social media it's like it is a lot of work filming content it's a lot of work it kind of takes away the um like for me when I'm painting I don't want to remember to film it or edit this or do that like I just want to you know be in the zone and create and yeah I think it's um it's another job I guess <laughs> yeah yeah they're, well, they're, they're taking it giving you a little bit more freedom aren't they that's for sure mm. when do you reckon you're going to make the film that you was talking about earlier so I've had a few conversations with I, I know a lot of um like filmmakers obviously yeah, like, of course oddly so um there's a girl called Amory that I did a um a fashion film a few years ago and it was very 1960s psychedelic so I was like I had a conversation with her because I thought that would be awesome also my boyfriend it, he creates films as well so um I could I've got a, a few options but I think maybe in a couple months time I probably want to film it in like spring summer because the snow is not <laughs> <laughs> no I agree not it always looks nice, but it's not very nice for anyone that's involved in filming outside <laughs> of the show. Yeah. That, Charlotte, is all my questions asked. So thank awesome. you very much for your time. You too. It was great to talk to you. Good.
Thank you so much. See you later on. See you later. Bye-bye. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers, we decided from the offset to go ad-free, which means obviously we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening. And until next week, sad art. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.